Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is episode 18, Due Diligence and Risk Identification for Major Projects. In the last episode, episode 17 on financial risk management, we cautioned against the use of, or I should say the exclusive use of financial models, quantitative models to do risk assessment and suggested that they be subject to uh, a broader review to bring in different disciplines and uh, strategic context. And I have another quote here from a professional in due diligence who has a similar philosophy. He says, The practice of due diligence has evolved into checklists. What is needed today is a less rigid, less quantified, more qualified and thoughtful approach. Well, I'll give a citation in the show notes so that you know where that comes from. But in this episode, what we want to do is take a look at due diligence and investigate its relationship to risk assessment. Due diligence really concerns itself with the checking of the presence or absence of one or another feature. It's really a good first step. The whole question of the quality of the process lies in criteria that you have in that checklist. But let's be clear, there's a distinction between due diligence and risk assessment. So if due diligence consists in the verification of the presence or absence of certain essential and relevant features, then risk assessment is something else again. It's an investigation of the uncertainty that is associated with the plans to execute to achieve a certain goal or objective. And that that is distinctly different. Now, I think it makes sense to use due diligence as the first in the order of operations. That is, if you're going to make a selection about a certain investment or a project or some sort of endeavor where you have minimum requirements that must be met, then these can be incorporated into a checklist and you start out with those. Then afterwards, you can take a look at the uncertainty by doing a risk assessment. Let me give you an example. One day, back in the day when I was at Risk Management Branch, the exec director came to my office and said, I'm consulting with a federal group trying to figure out the best risk financing method for this federal agency. Now, how can we use risk assessment to help us make the decision to choose the best risk financing method? So I grabbed a sheet of paper and I said, well, do you have criteria in mind, essential criteria, um, things that the risk financing method must do? And he said, yes. I drew a matrix on this piece of paper, and then across the top on the x-axis, I put a space for each one of these criteria. Then I said, I take it you have different risk financing methods in mind, different candidates or options. Isn't that right? And he said, yes. So I made a space in the y-axis for each of those options. 
then I said the first thing to do is simply to go through this matrix and check off the various criteria or features for each option and see which option wins out. Now that's a fairly simple exercise. But once you've done that, you've passed the first hurdle of your decision-making process. Then I said, once you've selected the winning candidate using this method, that's the time to then do risk assessment. In other words, to investigate the uncertainty, the risk that is imposed by selecting this one option over the other ones. He came back later and said that that method actually worked. So I got some confirmation on that score. Now, I want to introduce the idea of a maturity matrix. Perhaps you've heard of that. It was originated by Carnegie Mellon University, and they used it originally for um, vetting the quality of software service providers. But since that time, um, it's been used in many different business contexts, including enterprise risk management. So here's what it looks like. You've got, uh, again, a set of criteria that are arranged in levels. So if you wanted to assign a score to your organization with regard to its level of maturity in its enterprise risk management practice, you would have to have a schema that sets out certain criteria that are um, associated with level one, let's say the basics. Then other criteria could be assigned to level two, indicating a more mature practice, and so on. In my book, Enterprise Risk Management Tools and Templates, on page 35, there's uh, an example of one of these maturity matrices for um, enterprise risk management, and you can see that it's set out with five levels of maturity, and this is borrowed from the Carnegie Mellon method. So it goes from level one initial to repeatable, to level three defined, level four managed, and finally uh, level five optimized. So my point in bringing that up is that we can apply that concept in our little thought experiment today to do due diligence on a financial investment. All right, so in our due diligence exercise, we're going to have criteria set out in four categories, and they will be arranged, as I indicated, by level of maturity. It might make sense, for example, to start with the category of the firm, the maturity analysis of the firm itself. Then we can proceed to maturity analysis of the management team. Then in the third category, we'll go to a maturity analysis of the business model that they propose. And in the fourth category, we'll do a maturity analysis of the deal structure. So I'm proposing that to uh, investigate a project, to assess a project of, of this nature, those four broad categories make sense. Firm, management team, business model, deal structure. So starting with a review of the firm and applying a list of criteria, we can start with what we would characterize as the minimum criterion that they would have to meet, and that would be to provide audited financial statements. We could also have various measures in the form of financial strength ratios, and if they met those minimum requirements, then you could proceed with the other criteria in the list for the firm. So you can see I'm proposing that you would set out all of these various criteria in levels of maturity so that you're able to assign them a score. So this is semi-quantitative analysis where you check for the presence or absence of certain features and then convert that qualitative information into a quantitative score. The second category of analysis for our due diligence is the management team. Now there, the uh, minimum hurdle that they would have to meet would be um, their registration notices, the fact that they would be in good standing with the regulatory agencies. So having met those initial criteria, the other items to check would be the competencies and backgrounds, experience and track records, and so on. The next major category of due diligence 
that we proposed was the business model itself. You could look at the soundness of the concept and the excellence in execution of their proposed business model. To what degree are, are things simply uncertain and undefined? And to what degree is it actually already proven? Otherwise, it will be a matter of trying to assess the competitiveness of the firm and to assess the quality of its unique competitive features. And the final major category that we're proposing is the deal structure. So there you could have certain criteria with regard to the intent to return the investor's money. How soon do I get my money back with this investment? What is the nature and frequency of the distributions that are intended? Essentially, how well are the investors' interests protected and looked after? What does the management compensation look like? Do they have skin in the game? Are their interests aligned with those of the investors? Well, now that we've reviewed, at least in a cursory way, the four major categories in this proposed due diligence system, you're probably wondering, well, does anyone have a due diligence system where they've got these categories set out like this with all of the various criteria neatly arranged into levels of maturity that they can use for a scoring system? And the answer is, well, no, there's nothing like that that I'm aware of. I simply put my own together along the lines of what I've described to you. But you would have to create your own based on the nature of your business, the nature of your target investments and projects. You recall back in the last episode, we talked about the internal risk rating system. Well, this is what I'm proposing. Except that I'm proposing that you go beyond simply uh, a database that gives you a probability of success or failure, rather to build out a multivariate due diligence system in several categories of analysis. Of course, that's not easy to do. But once you get started, and the more you build it and refine it, the more valuable it will be. All right, so in my proposed method, after we finish the due diligence portion of the exercise, we can take a look at where the candidate project actually scored poorly. And from that information, we can start to generate a risk profile. In certain aspects of the firm, they're deficient. Or in certain aspects of their management team, they're deficient. Or of their business model, and so on. And each of those deficiencies presents some sort of uncertainty or risk set out in in the risk matrix, and then um, something should be done about it to mitigate the risk. So the end result is that you've got not only a due diligence exercise based on authoritative criteria, you've actually got uh, an investigation into the uncertainties using risk assessment. The question then arises, how much time and effort are we going to spend in following this proposed method for any given project? And of course, the answer is, it it all depends on the magnitude of the project. We can see in many examples, whether in public or private sector, a lot of money is being spent. I would consider doing due diligence and risk assessment very thoroughly, because not only does it help you assess the viability of the project, it helps you manage the project and ensure its success. Can you imagine if you actually included the candidate management team in the risk assessment process and shared with them the results of your analysis, how it would equip them to really run the business much better and give you confidence that they're actually going to do a good job and be successful in meeting their goals and objectives? There's another way in which this proposed method gives a little more sophistication compared to the conventional approach. The old adage is that high returns equal high risk. And I've seen this on the websites of financial authorities. High returns equals high risk. Is that strictly accurate? You could have a product with a low return on investment, 
Um, and so you would say, oh, well, then that must be, by definition, low risk. But no, it could be subject to uncontrollable conditions. They might have substandard management, and they, therefore they might carry high risk. So I don't see that this adage, high returns equals high risk, is really useful. Instead, if we do our multivariate due diligence and then apply high-quality risk assessment, well, with that methodology, risk takes on a comprehensive and properly differentiated character. Well, one final aspect of the application of due diligence and high-quality risk assessment that I wanted to discuss today is their application to major projects. So I can ask you, what is the state of risk management within your project management methodology? If it's just minimal, if you only do one risk assessment, let's say at the beginning of the project, then I suggest that that's not sufficient. You can take the various stages of a major project. First of all, you're going to be reviewing uh, strategic options. You'll be looking at your procurement process. You'll be looking at financing methods, the way I was discussing earlier in the uh, example at Risk Management Branch. And there you can use a combination of methods uh, using due diligence criteria and a risk assessment. And then as you proceed into major stages of a project, that is where you've got feasibility, then you've got approvals, then you've got, let's say, a construction phase, and then perhaps commissioning. Well, the risk assessment that uh, attaches to each of those stages is going to be distinct and, and very useful to uh, identify the various uncertainties and help you manage the project successfully. Don't forget that the risk assessment that you conduct at various stages of the project can help inform the clauses of the contracts that you may have with service providers, and that helps you, so to speak, paper the deal. All right, well, let me try to summarize what we covered today. Number one, due diligence has to do with checking against preset authoritative criteria, while risk assessment has to do with investigating the uncertainty that is associated with plans to execute on goals and objectives. Number two, the two methods are complementary because you uh, take your analysis of candidate projects beyond the single dimension of a probability estimate of success based on uh, some database that you may or may not have uh, for, for similar projects. Number three, use criteria arranged in levels of accomplishment to assign a maturity score in one or another aspect. Number four, we use the categories of firm, management team, business model, and deal structure to uh, create an example for an analysis of candidate projects for an investment. Number five, Check your project management methods to ensure that you're using due diligence as applicable and risk assessment at all phases of major projects. So the risk register that you develop helps you not only to design contract clauses where those come up, but also to guide the ongoing management of the project. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.